when the negative thing happens, these sort of happen simultaneously, inside your body, you go into fight or flight. And so that's what I was talking about at the beginning. People either come out fighting, sending emails back and forth, <laughs> thousands of them every day. That's all they do. And they're going to get even and they're not going to let those people win. Or they flight and they just ignore it. They don't deal with the conflict. They just let it fester, which is really what sort of happened on this project for a long time for it to get to the point where it's, you know, six months behind schedule and millions of dollars uh, over budget before they began to try to figure out what was going on. And that happens all the time on projects. We don't get to the core of what's really going on. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Hey, Construction Nation, this is Sue Dyer, and welcome to this episode of Lead with Trust. And this episode is called The Anatomy of a Dispute. I thought I would share this with you because I think it's so prevalent in our industry that we end up with disputes all over the place and so many people don't know how to deal with them. Some people are conflict adverse. I run into that a lot. Or people know how to argue but they really don't know, they don't really understand how the dispute even came to be for the most part. So that's what we're going to cover today. And I thought I'd start off with sharing with you about a project I worked on a few years ago where, you know, it was for a water district and it was a $50 million project and it was six months behind schedule and it was 30% complete when I was called. Uh, the contractor and the owner had trailers side by side on the site. You know, you would basically say more or less co-located, but uh, instead the teams didn't talk to each other. Uh, instead, they spent their days writing emails and threatening emails at that and emailing them back and forth to each other. And so, you know, they really didn't have any kind of communication that was happening where there was a sender and a receiver. And they also, on the, on the site, these two trailers that were just side by side next to each other, the doors were, I don't know, a few feet apart to get into these, and but they were locked. They were locked to each other so that the other team couldn't dare come into their trailer. And so this went on for a while, and the executive from the owner's team 
said to me, he said, I, we just, I don't know what to do. I need to do something. And so he decided to try partnering. And so I started my pre-partnering interviews with the team members two weeks before we were going to do our partnering kickoff. And uh, after I did some talking and probing, I found out that the at the very, very first project meeting they had between the contractor and the owner's teams, uh, something had been said by the contractors construction manager that the owner's project manager took offense at. He felt like he was slighted and he hadn't been included in a meeting and he wasn't in part of the decision-making process. And so from that moment on, communication got worse and worse And this team couldn't agree even on the time of day to have a meeting, let alone the day to have the meeting. And they really had true problems. They had cities and other utilities. They had had real problems to deal with, uh, but they really couldn't deal with them. So I walked into the kickoff session and I asked everyone, well, how have things been going? I was really quite amazed to hear that over the past two weeks, since we set the partnering session up, that uh, things had gotten better. And I thought, well, yay, how's that? How did that happen? And they told me it was because, well, we knew we were going to partner. So we completely stopped talking to each other. So no communication whatsoever made it better for each of them, (laughs) made for the better teams. Not so much for the project, but they were better. So I just wanted to, to share this story because this is how all disputes start. They start in your own mind when you take something personal. That's when a dispute happens. So I thought it would be really fun today to really walk you through the anatomy of a dispute. And then hopefully with this knowledge, this understanding, you'll be much more likely to be able to see the signs when you or a team member, uh, is their mindset is heading down the road to a dispute so that you can Head it off. Yes, that's a pun intended. You're going to head off the the dispute, the mindset. Yes, it is a mindset. So there are seven steps based on the research done by Frederick Luskin on how a dispute is made. So here we go. Step one to creating a dispute, something has to happen that you don't like. It can be a little thing, a big thing, but something happens and you're going, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be, or no, I'm not going to do that, or no, that's not going to be the right, it's not going to work, you don't know what you're talking about. Something happens that you don't like. Step two, you must take this personally. It's a personal affront to you. Somehow 
you're being asked and someone else isn't being asked. You're being asked to do more than someone else. I find most of the time it's about fairness. If you can just focus on what is fair, you're not going to go down this road. But somehow you feel as though what's happening to you is not right. It's not just. It's not fair. And so that leads you to step three when the negative thing happens, these sort of happen simultaneously, inside your body, you go into fight or flight. And so that's what I was talking about at the beginning. People either come out fighting, sending emails back and forth, (laughs) thousands of them every day. That's all they do. And they're going to get even and they're not going to let those people win. Or they fight, flight, and they just ignore it. They don't deal with the conflict. They just let it fester, which is really what sort of happened on this project for a long time for it to get to the point where it's, you know, six months behind schedule and millions of dollars uh, over budget before they began to try to figure out what was going on. And that happens all the time on projects. We don't get to the core of what's really going on. So inside your body, you're feeling this. It's not, it's real to you. And so now the next thing in your head is that you're going to begin to blame for the unpleasant responses, things you're feeling, someone else. Someone else has to be making you feel this way. So they are to blame. Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile. So you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. So this sets you up for step five. You start feeling helpless, like, I don't know what to do. I can't do anything about this. You feel like you're, you don't know what you can do. This isn't right, you know. So you have this sense of helplessness. You know, there's a lot of research showing that when people begin to feel helpless is when they really start to go into, you know, down into a downward spiral. So that sets you up for step six, which is you begin to explain and tell your story and retell your story. You write letters, you write emails, you tell everyone, you try to get your own constituents that are on your side 
And you, these things really cement your feelings of being a victim. So now you feel even worse and like you can't really do anything about it. You're being victimized by this other person or this other entity. It's just not right. Which then sets up step seven. Over time, you kind of forget what the whole issue was that started it. You don't even remember. I know on my project team, until I did a lot of talking and a lot of probing, I don't think they even remembered what it was. But it finally came out, thank goodness. But you lose track of what it is that you're even fighting about. I know you probably, if you have a spouse, that may happen regularly. But then the story itself, because it's so emotional, and it's taking a toll on you and you feel helpless and victimized, it doesn't go away. It stays there. It has a presence and it intensifies uh, over time. And it, But the story itself is just a snapshot, it, but it's not the whole picture. And so the dispute lives on and has a life of its own. And that, my construction nation, is the anatomy of a dispute. And it can happen in your business. It can happen on your projects. And the only way out is to change your mindset and to be a true trusted leader. Because businesses and construction especially is plagued with this dispute phenomenon. I know... When I began to write my new book, I had in my mind, you know, that I had to start first and foremost with leadership because on all the projects that I've worked on, the leaders really determine the outcomes because they determine what kind of culture, what kind of atmosphere you're going to have. How are you going to deal with conflict and disputes? and unknowns and changes and challenges and decision-making, all of that is really led by the leadership. And so in the book, it really sets up how to create a high trust mindset using the partnering approach. And the partnering approach has two parts to it. One is your mindset set by intentions. We have 10 partnering intentions and the culture which determines the behaviors, which is your values. And those together really create the atmosphere of a high trust, high performing business. And of course, project. And I also realized that if we don't go upstream and partner upstream in the businesses, then when you walk onto your projects and you aren't partnering in your business, you are not going to be ready for partnering on a project. So Uh, Those are the things that I learned, and I hope that the book will be helpful for you. Uh, The book is The Trusted Leader, The Trusted Leader, and it's using the partnering approach to become the leader people want to follow. And so it's, it's a great way for you to learn about training your brain. And you can pick that up anywhere on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. It is a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And I'm very proud of that, as well as uh, number one on Amazon worldwide for all nonfiction and USA Today. We hit that bestsellers list as well. 
Uh, I also have my free resource for you that can tell you exactly where you are, because if you don't know where you are, how do you know where you need to go? And that is the Trusted Leader Profile. And you can grab that at W, well, you can just go to Sudico, S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile and take the free profile and you can share it with your whole team, talk about it with your whole team, and uh, you will be able to know where you are and and figure out where do we want to go. So I, I now that you know the story, I wanted to tell you the ending of the story. So with this story, the contractor's project manager doing the partnering session apologized to the owner's construction manager, who then felt heard. And he didn't give up his grudge completely, but it slowly melted away and they started working together. They let their team members work together and not against each other. And the project, while it was still behind schedule, because they were six months behind and it still was over budget, it improved remarkably and they brought a lot of cost savings into it. They accelerated some things. The project was a lot more successful than it was going to be. And the team worked together. And really it became the best project it could be from that point forward. So to create a high trust mindset, you have to drive out fear and fill your mind daily with high trust thoughts. I believe that it will be enormously worth your effort. I hope that you will give it a try and uh, let me know. Until next time. Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.